0: They've already scientifically proven that the number one factor on how people can be dishonest and cheat and do the wrong things is because if everybody else is doing it, we rationalize that it's okay. Episode number 106. Welcome to the Torah Podcast, lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth, hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Leon Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. This week we're going to be doing the seventh parkeavos in chapter one, Brainwashed by your neighbor, society and behavior. We're going to have a powerful parable about the poor princess, a great story about the Notable Yehuda, and peace in your home. Don't upset your wife. And now, Ethics of the Fathers The Fundamentals of Jewish Faith and Character Development. So the seventh Mishnah says like this Natai Arba Omer. Distance yourself from a bad neighbor. Do not cleave to a wicked person. And do not abandon the belief in retribution. So there are three parts to this Mishnah. The bad neighbor, the wicked person, and retribution. So the Rambam says like this. Do not be connected with any evil person. Why? So you shouldn't learn from his conduct. Because we've explained before, the Rambam says, undesirable traits are acquired through association with wicked people. This is where we learn from. If we connect ourselves with the wrong people, we'll also become like them. And Rabana Yonah says even more than that. He says when you associate with wicked people, you have a share in all their wicked deeds, and you'll be punished along with them. Your association with them constantly involves you in terrible transgressions. And that's why he says, before you buy or rent a home, you shouldn't only acquire about the size of the condition of the building, but you should also find out what type of neighbors are there. If they are wicked, keep away from them. And if they're righteous, you should become close to them. And the rabbi Obaki explains that the Shulchein Ra, that's the person who does sins between him and fellow man. He steals, he speaks and Hara. He lies, and the Russia refers to the person who does sins between him and heaven. He doesn't keep the mitzvahs, he doesn't daven, he doesn't put on tefillin. So either of these people you shouldn't be close to, because you might be influenced by them. The world always says, oh, he's such a nice guy, yeah. But if he doesn't show Shomr Shabbos, it doesn't wear in, if he doesn't daven, you should not be spending time with that person, because you might be influenced by them. Because their view of the world is that there is no God. And the Barthenares says like this, anyone who clings to evil people, even though they don't act like them, they will receive punishment like them. Why? He says, what is this comparable to? He says, someone who goes into a tannery. A tannery stinks. Even though he doesn't do anything there, just walking in gives him a bad smell. So too, people hang around, people who are not doing mitzvahs, it's going to have a big effect on them, they'll be punished like them. And the Tostovus Yom Tov explained, what's the difference between the Shochen Ra and the Rasha? The Shochen Ra, like we said, he's the one who does affairs between him and man. So the Russian there is you have to distance yourself from that person. Distance yourself from a bad neighbor. But the Russian of the Russia, Atis Russia, you shouldn't connect with the evil person. Who's the evil person? The person who does sins between him and heaven. That person you don't have to distance yourself from because he doesn't do sins between him and man. But you shouldn't connect with that person. That's the Russian. You shouldn't mischaber with him because then he can affect your way of looking at the world. And the Svas Emes makes a bit of a drusha. He says, who is Eshochein Ra, the evil neighbor? It's Ariat Zahara, before we sin. So we have to distance ourselves from the pleasures of this world before we sin. And after we sin, it's like the rush of the evil person. We shouldn't mitchaber, we shouldn't connect ourselves with those sins. We have to disconnect ourselves. So before the sin, we have to distance ourselves. And after this sin, we surely shouldn't connect ourselves to sin. And one of the Mephoshim wants to explain that this Mishnah is really the continuation of the Mishnah before. The Mishnah before was, Oh seitov, you should do good. And this Mishnah is talking about Tzu'amara, remove yourself from bad. What is he talking about? He says, The first positive thing we should do is make ourselves a rab. That's Keneged HaSholchein Ra. That's like you should learn good from a rab. you shouldn't learn bad from a neighbor. The next positive thing was to Lecha you should get yourself a good friend. That's the opposite of connecting yourself with an evil person. And the last positive thing we said is you should judge everybody favorably, but not yourself. Yourself, you have to watch out for retribution. You shouldn't abandon the thought to think you're not going to get punished. Another one of the Mephorshim wants to learn what does it mean. (laughs) Distance yourself. (laughs) Even from the neighbor of someone who's evil. In other words, he brings two levels. If someone is friends with an evil person, that person you shouldn't associate with either. Habera Avos wants to explain that you yourself shouldn't be a Ra. Distance yourself from being a bad neighbor or being called a bad neighbor. The Meiri wants to explain some people think, okay, Beseder, I won't live among evil people, but I'll do business with them. Comes along the Mishnah to tell you, no, not only shouldn't you live among evil people, but you need to distance yourself from people that are evil, which means don't even do business with them. And the rivets wants to explain that someone who's nice to people but has no connection to God, so he appears like a nice person. I mean, he is a nice person, right? So maybe I'll connect myself. So he wants to explain that person you have to worry about even more because it's hard to feel the danger in such a situation. But a person who's an happy courses doesn't believe in God and lives his life that way can have a very bad effect on you. Now I want to explain the last part of the Mishnah, which is, Do not abandon the belief in retribution. You have to know there's din v'cheshbon. In the end, if the person does bad, he'll get punished. Rashi says, Happy is the man who's always worried. He doesn't rely on his wealth. And he doesn't rely on his schus, on his merit. And also in the positive, when bad things come upon him, he doesn't abandon the belief in tov, in good, because he knows that the good is going to come, just like when things are going good. If you do bad, bad will come. Also, when things are going bad, you should know that good will come if you do good. And he brings the Gemara and brachos that even if a sword is on a person's neck, he shouldn't give up. He should know that if he does good, Hashem will save him. And the Rebbeinu Yonah explains, don't tell yourself as long as this wicked guy is doing well, I'll connect up with him. And when his luck changes, I'll drop him, because his retribution could come at any moment, and at that time it'll be too late. Once he starts to fall, you'll also fall with him. And he says a king hates those who love his enemies. He cannot connect with evil people. Should you help the wicked and love those who hate God? You have to know, the punishment will come. And the Tosvos Tov explains, it doesn't say worry about peronios, worry that bad things are going to happen. Why? This is a very bad character. shouldn't be worried every second that bad things are going to happen. It just means you shouldn't abandon the thought of peronios that bad things could happen. You should know that bad things could happen, and you shouldn't rely on your own schuyos, on your own merits. And the Teferich Yisrael learns it the opposite, that you shouldn't be methiyayesh from piranios. When bad things happen, you shouldn't be despondent. You should just fix yourself up and move on, because the bad things that are happening to us are there to direct us into the right direction. The Abbas explains, Do not give in the belief of retribution. What does that mean? When a man sees success, he should not say, Because I merit it, God has given me food to drink, and my reward remains for me in the world to come. Instead, he should say, "Oi, perhaps I only did one good deed in my life, and he's rewarding me now, so in the next world I'll have nothing. And the Rambam explains it to mean that you shouldn't think, oh, I'll get punished in the next world, but I won't get punished in this world. No, you should know that if you sin in this world, you also get punished. It may not come right away, but eventually it will come. And this is exactly what the Rebbein Shushan says. When you see evil people in the world being successful, you shouldn't say, "Oh, you see, there is no punishment for sin." It's not true. Eventually, the punishment will come, because even if evil people are successful, in a second, everything can change, and maybe they're just eating up their schus, their merit that they have in this world. In the next world, they'll have nothing. And the chas himself, Sofer brings the chavavos Lavoas. It says like this: You should know. That all suffering in this world, a person shouldn't have Yehush. Why? A person shouldn't be despondent. Because every suffering that a person has is to turn him towards Tov. Chutz, accept. The suffering that he gets from being associated with the wicked. Therefore, he wants to explain the mission like this. If you do not connect yourself from the wicked, then you do not have to be despondent from pranios. Why? Because the suffering that you're having is there for good. It's there to turn you towards the good. But if you are connected with the wicked, so then you will be medjayish, you will be despondent from Pranios because you're doing it to yourself. So what are we learning from this Mishnah? We're learning not to connect ourselves up with evil people. And this is a basic foundation of the Torah, we know. In the beginning parts of the Torah, Avram Avinu is told to leave his home, to go away from the evil society because there's no way to be righteous if your whole world view is shaped by your society. And not only that, but the first Tehillim also starts this way. The first Tehillim says like this, "...praise is a man that he walked not in the council of the wicked, and he stood not in the path of the sinful, and he sat not in the sessions of scorners." Tehillim's also telling us this is the first move pawn to King 4. The first move a person has to make is to separate himself from evil people, because there's no way he can break the influence. And the truth is that evil people like to be together, and this way they can justify their sins. They've already scientifically proven that the number one factor on how people can be dishonest and cheat and do the wrong things is because if everybody else is doing it, we rationalize that it's okay. Who can really be an independent thinker and think this is wrong when you're surrounded by it? and Everybody's doing it. So you rationalize it. And not only that, but all your standards and the way you judge yourself is based in your society. If nobody in my town davens, and I daven, it looks like I'm a sadiq. I think I'm a righteous person. But if I live in a neighborhood where everybody's learning full time, and all I do is dive, and all I do is pray three times a day, I'm not up to standard. It all depends on my surrounding. I judge myself based on how I see myself in society. But the reality is that I'm judged by Hashem's standards of what he holds is right and wrong. Not just what my society holds right and wrong. This was Avraham Avinu. He stood up against the entire world. This is the story of the Jewish people standing up against the whole world and saying, No, your value systems are wrong. We received our value systems from God and we're going to live our lives that way. But in order to do that, we have to protect ourselves. We have to remove ourselves from society in order to have the strength to do the right thing. For example, if you live in Bayit Vagan in my neighborhood, it's normal that at 5 o'clock all the kids after school fill up the base Midrash and they're sitting and learning Gemara there. It's normal that on Fridays everybody learns. It's normal on Motzi Shabbos everybody learns. It's normal that the base Midrash is filled on Shabbos. It's normal. And it gives a person a proper standard to live by. And just the opposite when you live among evil people. For example, the world says that it's normal to send your 18-year-old kid, your boy or your girl, to college, to university. Are you out of your mind? At the age where they have the most energy and the most desires, basically you're sending them into, I can't say the word, into a whorehouse. That's what you're sending them to with dormitories, where they're mixed together. How could you do such a thing? The answer is, oh, it's normal. That's what everybody does, isn't it? What do you mean? It's not normal not to send your kid to couch. But if you would think about it, it's insane. How can you send your daughters and your sons into such temptation? But since we're brainwashed by society, we don't think about it. We rationalize it. We say it's normal. It's the worldview. But it's not only the worldview, it's also from neighborhood to neighborhood. If you go and you to a hotel, and in the hotel they're mixed swimming, so everybody sees mixed swimming. Well that seems normal. You take a religious kid, you bring him to the hotel and they see mixed swimming, they start to say, wait, maybe what I was taught was not correct. Everybody else seems to be doing it. But it's wrong. But where do you get the strength to remove yourself from society and really think things out on your own? And the problem is, even when people feel they are thinking on their own, they're not really. You look at teenagers. Oh, they're rebelling. They're independent. Yeah, but they're all dressed the same. They're all doing the same things. They all want to buy the same clothes. The fashion industry. Wow, you have the old style. Someone comes with a new style. But the new style is nothing more than there was 200 years ago or 150 years ago. They just keep replaying the same thing over and over again. The haircuts. The Gemara says the Romans cut their hair in this way and that way. But these are new things. There's nothing new under the sun. It's the same thing repeating itself over and over again. And people think they're being creative and they're being independent. No, they're also just creating a subculture, another society where everybody copies each other. A trend where everybody else just follows along. Rev. Lev Hyman, I love a Shalom, used to tell me all the time, 99.9% of the world is crazy. The whole world is insane. And only the Jews, the true Jews, have the Messorah, have the tradition of what's right and what's wrong. And we have to stick to our culture with all of our energy. Rev. Vic used to say, when the bar mitzvah boy puts on a black hat, it's just as important as his tefillin. His identity of who he is, to connect with the Chachamim, with the righteous people, with the holy people, with the sages, with the wise people, to have the tarbut, the culture of Yiddishkeit, to connect with it, with everything that you have. And even within our own culture, we have problems, so don't connect with those things. Think independently, be on your own, connect with the good and push away the bad. The exile has warned us down. There's also problems in our society, but at least connect with what's good and connect yourself with good people, the people that you hang around with. They have a big influence on who you are. If your society is having a lot of children, you'll also have a lot of children. Leah and my wife, had 12 children, and she tells me to this day, it was only because we lived in a society where a lot of children was looked up upon nowadays they don't have less children and their friends are all complaining about how many children so they have less everybody's doing just what their friends are doing what's called quote-unquote normal but what is normal we have to know who we are we're a Selim Elohim. we were created in the image of god and what's normal normal is to do what god wants us to do to do what we're created to do and not to follow after the culture and the fashion of the day. And this idea is also connected with Shabbos. On Shabbos, we can't do divrechol. We can't do things like we normally do them during the week. We're living in a space of holiness. We have to separate ourselves from the physical world and have a holy day once a week. It's the same concept. To separate ourselves and to spend time to contemplate what life really is and what values do we want and what is our ultimate purpose, which is to come close to God and to serve Him. Here is a powerful parable. The Chabetz Chaim brings a parable. I believe I brought this parable once before, but it's so connected with the Perkiyavos, I'm going to say it again. So one time a princess, the daughter of a king, was stolen away and taken to a foreign land. And she was forced to marry this crude peasant. So she felt her life was unbearable. She She was used to having fine silk garments and living in a palace with nice dishes. Now she was in some shack. Everything was dirty. Her clothes were all rough. Her food was coarse. It was very, very difficult for her. She used to cry every day. But as time passed, little by little, she got used to her new life. And the rough clothes and the coarse food was not so bad. And as time went on further and further, you couldn't even tell that she was a princess. She herself looked like a simple peasant. So that was the Mashal. And the Chavetzkah explains, what's the Nimshah? He says, the soul, the soul comes from a high place in heaven. And in its original place, it was used to such lofty and serene matters. What happened? It came into a body. And not only did it come into the body, but it came into a world that was full of sinners. So the first sin that it does, it feels horrible. And at the beginning, it's very difficult. But after a person gets used to living among the sinners, little by little, he gets used to living that way. And in the end, he becomes one of them. And he's no longer able to recognize that really his soul is a princess with a heavenly root. And he thinks that he was actually born a peasant. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So in Parshish Chuchos it says like this, Adam ki yamos a man who would die in a tent. That's the verse. So we know that Chazal tells us that a man has to put all of his energies to the point where he almost dies in order to be able to learn Torah. And if not, if he runs after the pleasures of this world, he'll forget everything. So it's written in the note of Yehuda that he responded to somebody 13 days before his daughter's wedding. And he writes to him, even though it was very, very difficult to me because I was preparing for my daughter's wedding, still I worked and I answered your question. So the question is, what was the note of Yehuda doing 13 days before his daughter's wedding that he couldn't hardly learn? He was the God of adore For sure, everybody was taking care of the wedding. He wasn't actually taking care of the wedding. So, Rebbe Liashif wants to answer. He brings the Gemara in 65a that says, Abiyah said, If my mother asked me to pass her some Kutach, and Rashi explained to do a routine chore, I cannot learn with normal concentration because of this distraction. And this is because a true scholar is so focused on his learning that even a small little thing can upset him and disturb him. So by the note of Yehuda, even though it was 13 days before his daughter's wedding, he didn't have his full concentration. And this is what Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein says, Just as an angel devotes himself entirely to divine and assigned missions, Torah giants devote their minds and energy entirely to the Creator, and it's forbidden to burden them with matters unrelated to Torah and the service of Hashem. So if a person wants to be successful in his Torah learning, he has to put in everything that he has. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Rev. Moshe Aaron speaks about not upsetting your wife. He says you have no idea how severe it is to upset a fellow Jew. The verse in Mishpatim says, Every widow and orphan you shall not upset. And Rashim Ben was who is about to die, Kiddush Hashem, He's one of the Ten Martyrs. He asked Rav Yishmael, Why did I deserve such a punishment? So Rav Ishmael replied to him, Perhaps you distressed someone who came to ask a question by telling him to wait, or by putting on a garment or finishing eating, why he came to ask the question. You didn't go fast enough. So Rav Gabriel says, Oh, you've comforted me. From there he understood that even the smallest suffering that you cause another Jew, you could be severely punished. And the Gemara Megillah says, Rav Yochanan ben Yezichai was married a long life. Why? Because he never called anybody by a nickname. And even if the person was used to the nickname, he didn't use the nickname himself. We have no idea how strict Hashem is when it comes to upsetting other people. The Midrash says that Rachel passed away prematurely because she spoke out before her older sister. And Yaakov's sons had to stand before Yosef because he said to Rachel, am I in place of Hashem? So it came out that Yosef said to the sons, Am I in place of Hashem? Yeah. So the small comment that Yaakov said to his wife Rachel had a big effect. Also, the Midrash in Esther says that Yaakov caused Esau a great distress because the verse says he cried a bitter cry. And because of that, we have the whole story with Purim. And Mordechai had to cry out, "Mida k'negin tit for tat. So he explains that it's a spiritual rule. It's not a punishment. The fact is that if you cause suffering to another Jew, it's going to come back on you. It's like playing with fire. If you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. It brings a proof from the Gemara in Kasubah 6.2b that says, Rabbi Ruchami used to come home once a year on Yom Kippur. He was learning the rest of the year, and he would come back. One time he got so involved with his learning that it was too late for him to travel back to his home. So his wife is waiting and waiting, and she shed one tear. When she shed that tear, the building collapsed and he died. Ah, it comes out that his wife was now even worse off. But it doesn't matter. That tear caused him to die. Because it's a spiritual law. If you cause suffering, you're going to get it back on your head. And the Gemarantanus speaks about Anakamish Gamzu. Nachemish Gamzu was blind. He lost his hands and his feet and had boils all over his body. And why was this? Because one time a poor man asked him for food. And he drayed and he unloaded his donkey to get the food. He didn't do it fast enough and the person died. So he accepted all this suffering upon himself. And the Mara al-Diskin one time his wife put two spoonfuls of salt into his coffee. And then she realized afterwards what she did. She came back to get the coffee, but it was too late. He already drank it. So she said to him, why you drank the coffee? He says, Khazal tells us, it is better to throw oneself into a fiery furnace than it is to embarrass somebody. I didn't want to embarrass you. And it says the Gemara Sanhedrin that one time a woman came to the base minister and says, one of you lived with me in order to marry me. So Rebbe Meir stood up and gave her a gift. And all the Talmidim also gave gets, because they saw the Rebbe giving a get. Because he said, it's better that I'm suspected of immorality than to shame one of my Talmidim. The Gemara Baba Matziah says, an adulterer is, is punished by strangulation. And if he gets punishment in the Basin, he gets a portion of the next world. But someone who shames a fellow Jew has no portion of the next world. Mm-hmm. So it's very important not to upset your wife. So he explains, why is it when it comes to our wives, we have no problem upsetting them? So he explains, because it says, A person feels like his wife is like his own body. So he feels that she's not in the box of Ben Adam Lechavero. In other words, she's so close to him that he forgets not to hurt her. But the fact is that it's like playing with fire. And a person has to be very careful not to upset his wife. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends, and please leave comments. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at GlobalYeshiva.com.